Ailing and in need of parts, the time machine struggles to perform. We go now to War Rocket Ajax, where an important confrontation between Mark and Danny is about to occur. Danny, I think it's time that we had an important conversation. What about? The time machine's fine. I mean, uh, what do you need, friend? Well, I was going to ask where you got that Stretch Armstrong, but now I want to know what's wrong with the time machine. Well, I got the Stretch Armstrong down on Zanzibar, and uh, I didn't actually get the time machine parts, and I spent all this sponsor money. Oh, good God. You know what? I'll just go get them myself. I hope we have enough sponsor money left. Sorry, man. There it is. Junk for sale. Imported knickknacks. Philosophy textbooks. Rare comics. Ooh, junk you say? Yeah, stuff you've never seen before. An extravaganza. You ever heard of hero clicks? Ooh, okay. I'll take the complete works of Plato, the purple Play-Doh, the Nightcrawler hero clicks, the Ghost Rider bobblehead, that green boglin. And uh, peanut butter Captain Crunch. Excellent choices, sir. You'll come back soon. Well, it looks like I got quite a haul here. But I feel like I forgot something. Oh, yeah. Time machine parts. Don't! Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, your majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as... The Hell Ring Power Hour! Welcome back to episode 56 of the Hail Ming Power Hour, the only show on the Legion Podcast Network we're listening to. That's not true. You go ahead and listen to all of them because you'll be here checking us out, and they're right over there on the sidebar. Welcome back again, episode 56, where we have a fun movie in store for you, and I could not do this without my partner in crime, Mark Allison. Hello, my lovely Hail Ming family. It is so good to be back here on the only show on the network that stays crispy in milk, the Hail Ming Power Hour. And we are also the only show on the network with a time machine. And uh, that time machine takes upkeep, people. And parts and all kinds of other things. So in order to keep those parts in the time machine, keep SuperClock happy, we have sponsors. And so um, we're going to go right into our sponsors right now. Yeah, sponsors that we love and would never, ever do anything to upset. 
That's right. Starting off, we have a new sponsor with us, Can O Bull, the world's first beef-flavored soda. That's right. If you love the great taste of steak with bubbles, get yourself some Can O Bull. Can O Bull, from the makers of Soylent Green. That's a good one, and I think that there's going to be a real excitement craze on the old uh, beef soda train. The one that I have for you was brought to you by uh, none other than our illustrious fan and friend, Trin T. Sutherland, who came up with this sponsor, the 24-7 Lumberjacks. He's working all time, day and night, cold or hot. The only time this Lumberjack's off is when you're hot. <laughs> Thank you, Trin. We appreciate that one. And I got one more here for you. Uh, let me ask, Danny, do you like seafood? Oh, I love it. Well, who doesn't like seafood? And if you're a fan of seafood, too, and you want to get some fresh, flaky fish or wonderful lobster or succulent crab, there's only one place that you need to go in order to get all of that wonderful food. That's Dirty Dick's Crab House. Remember, get your crabs with Dirty Dick's. Nice. All these places and products sound absolutely wonderful, and we hope that you go out and consume, 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 because... Sponsorship is what we're about. I mean, we're all about the listeners. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. The Hailming Power Hour is brought to you by the Lochnar, the ultimate source of evil in the universe. Man, we're really pushing for sponsors, aren't we? And. Loyal followers of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! So, without further ado, because we're always a doing around here and we don't want to do it any further, we need to go back in time to 1974 in the old time machine. You think the time machine's ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, it's looking good. Fantastic. Well, let's let's hop in. Uh, yeah, you just got kind of kind of jiggle that to open. Yeah, there it goes. You okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> okay, here we go into the uh, great abyss. You know what happens when this yawning portal is uh, not adequately traversed, right? We might fly off into time and space and uh, disintegrate. Um, we'll, we'll we'll be fine. Let, let's. We'll be fine. Yeah. Let's. Yeah, here we go. go. Oh, good God, I'm nervous. Uh, it's fine, right? It's fine, right? Yeah, just hold on. Ah! <laughs> ah, the G-forces. Oh, I'm feeling weird again. <laughs> that wasn't so bad, was it? Oh, here we are in 1974. I think there's disco and... Vietnam War just ended. We got bell bottoms. We got land of the lost. We got none of that around us right this now. This is this is in 1974. No, this looks strange here. Um, where it looks like open fields and trees and, and they're just X's on all four of the date readers here. It's just X X X X. Oh, god. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us what country we're in, computer? Just X's again. Uh, well, there there goes a wagon by. It's got oh oh. 
you know what? I think we're in the undetermined time and country of our movie this week. And speaking of our movie, it's time for a synopsis. So let's get on down with that right now. Evil's got its fangs in you, and it's gonna suck the life right out of you. Howdy, friends. J.C. Winneman here, and I have to warn you about this terrible ghoulish fiend of a movie called Captain Kronos Vampire Killer. Oh, we're talking vampires again. Yes, sir. The devil was in full swing, and I do mean full swing. Swing it, baby. When he created this piece of unholy celluloid. It's in the movie. This here abomination was made in the most sinful era we've ever known called the 1970s. Ha <laughs> Yes, sir. Demons were on the TV. TV. And they were stealing your soul and money at the movies. Butter my popcorn. And the evil that was Kiss music was on the radio. Ace Freely. Yes, sir. This movie came straight from Beelzebub's shiny buckle in his satanic belt, Mm -hmm. Great Britain. What? Well, where else would they make such a piece of parish pie come from? Better get on with it. All right, then. Captain Kronos Vampire Killer is the story of a young sewing machine repairman. And he's on his way to a small knitting community to show them the wave of the future. But his trip is cut short during his commute. His patent is stolen by Thomas Edison on horseback. This leads our hero, played by Lou Gossett Jr., but voiced by our favorite stuntman, Jackie Chan, down a rabbit hole to fight for the greatest prize, to have the power of embroidering insignias on horse blankets. Full of unrealistic sex scenes, a tutorial in figgy pudding, and a finale where Kronos and Thomas Edison sword fight while flying on the backs of pterodactyls. I recommend this movie if you want to burn in Hades. So yeah, I meant to get the parts, and I was really going to get it, but there was a you didn't get the oh. <laughs> what you see that he he had this. Peanut butter, Captain Crunch. Was that that same guy? I, I, I think he's was, got such good stuff. He does, doesn't he, man? Um, well, you know what? We got here. We, yeah. we, where were we? Oh, hey, we're back. <laughs> and welcome back to Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. Since the show began, way back episode one, before it even aired, Rick and Danny were telling me that they were doing this show and they wanted ideas for movies to come out and review and my very first suggestion for the show was Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. I have waited a while to do this one because it's one of my favorite movies and I think you guys are going to enjoy this too. Yeah it worked out exactly as it was supposed to because although Rick and I went you know 50 plus episodes without doing it now we get the opportunity to do it and Mark is actually the co-host on it and I have to say I didn't intentionally shuffle it off we just you know this is the way it always goes we look at movies and then we say Hey, here's a movie that you know we'd we'd rather do right now, or how about this one? And it just got shuffled under. But I am so glad that you recommended it because I had a really good time watching it. 
And we got a really huge list of movies. I mean, we haven't even made a dent in that yet. So I, I feel grateful that we got to this one as quickly as we did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And you know, like I said, I wasn't as familiar with it. I know Hammer films. So I won't be saying that again. Um, I know the, you know, I, I'm familiar with these films, but this one is definitely a gem. And on second viewing, I really enjoyed it a ton. This is going to be a fun movie here. Uh, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter was a film that was produced by Hammer Films. Gotta love that. Hammer was a film production studio in England in the 70s. They did all kinds of movies, but uh, they really found their niche in horror. The studio drenched in blood. Yes. <laughs> uh, they uh, were one of the first studios to bring the classic horror movie monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein to color. And this was one they had an idea to do a series of movies based off of the hero rather than the monster. Due to production problems, they never got to make those other movies, but I really feel like this was one of their better films. I really enjoyed this. I agree completely. So, you know, let's get into it. Um, Mark, what is your first reason? My first reason for watching Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter is Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> this type of hero is the classic silent man of mystery kind of character. Never really says that much when he does say it. He just gets right to the point. And you really don't know that much about the character himself. You learn about him as the movie progresses. Uh, you know that he was attacked by a vampire at some point. Uh, that his he's avenging his family's death, who was taken from him because of vampires, but who Captain Kronos actually is remains a mystery. And I've got this theory running from this movie that Captain Kronos may actually be half vampire himself. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, it's definitely pointed to that he has um, been attacked by vampires and sustained injuries, so it, it all adds up. And it wouldn't be the only... Um, half vampire vampire hunter story out there but it may be among if not the first so that's a good deal my first reason is captain Kronos's uh, sidekick or should i say hunchback <laughs> whose name is grossed and he is a hunchback professor who is an expert in all things vampire as a matter of fact we have a clip of him talking about all things vampire young girl suddenly aged is that sufficient reason and these girls, they died with blood upon their lips? Yes, why? Vampires. What? No, it can't be. What he doesn't know about vampirism wouldn't fill a flea's codpiece. Vampires. Dr. Marcus, it is commonly supposed that a vampire attacks in only one way, by biting the neck and draining the victim of blood. But that's true. The girls you spoke of, they were not trained of blood, but of youth, of life itself. You see, Doctor, there are as many species of vampire as there are beasts of prey. Their methods and their motive for attack can vary in a hundred different ways. And the means of their destruction. 
Aye, the traditional stake through the heart does not always hold good, you know. Some can only be destroyed by hanging or decapitation or fire or water or by other means. But these girls were invulnerable. Each one wore a crucifix. The cross can only protect those who firmly believe. These were good girls from God-fearing families. Perhaps their minds were not their own at the moment of attack. I suspect mesmerism in this. Mesmerism? Hypnotism. The subjugation of the mind. Oh, you don't believe in that nonsense? Hmm? Well, it is highly improbable. Hmm? What could be more improbable than God? But I believe in him. I too, but... Vampires? Oh, come now, Doctor. You had already reached the same conclusion. Or why else send for us? Yeah, in Derwood. I really like how uh, the doctor is doubtful of uh, mesmerism, but he's like, of course, vampires drink from the neck. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to prove your point. I mean, Grost is the brains of the outfit. And what he doesn't know about vampires could fill a flea's codpiece. Nice. <laughs> All right, what do you have next? I'll have to say the, the next reason for watching this movie is Caroline Monroe. Never was a more appropriate mic drop than you know, Caroline Monroe as uh, Carla, the girl who is freed from the stocks by Kronos in the first couple of minutes of the film, is absolutely stunning. Their uh, relationship in this movie gets right to the point. They're not going to live happily ever after, but they are going to live happy for the next few days here. <laughs> and who wouldn't with such a beautiful woman like Caroline Monroe, the only reason in the world to ever watch StarCraft. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, so, you know, there you have the You've got the three main characters right here as the three reasons, and I think that that's telling. Um, up until now, you've got a Grim Reaper-style uh, assassin in the woods who's uh, accosting young women and leaving them drained of all their youth. And uh, that's where you introduce Captain Kronos and his sidekick, uh, who are on their way to see about these uh, crimes because this uh, this vampire doesn't leach blood, at least. Captain Kronos is played by Horst Johnson, who I really feel is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of his day. Uh, when I say that, I mean his accent was so thick, they actually had to redub all of his lines in order to release the movie. I actually heard some of the unedited audio of his original dialogue, and I'm not sure if it was really necessary to redub it. So, real quick, I'm just going to play for you a line from the movie, which was the original release, and then kind of compare it to the original undubbed version. Uh, in this scene, uh, Grost had been accosted by some bullies and Kronos and Carla are trying to cheer him up, so uh, we're going to hear how it was when it was released first. They made sport of me, Kronos. They laughed at me. Am I so terribly ugly to provoke such mockery? Beauty fades eventually, but a kind soul remains forever. My mother taught me that. She was a gifted woman. Very gifted. And you, my friend... 
my very dear friend. Your body was given to you by God. Just remember that. He also gave me a good friend to protect me. They were paid to laugh at you. Those men, they were paid to provoke a fight and kill us both. Well, if that's so, if what you say is right, then... It means we are getting close. See, now that's how it was originally theatrically released. Now, let's hear Horace Johnson's actual voice on how that scene would have gone. They made sport of me, Kronos. They laughed at me. Am I so terribly ugly to provoke such mockery? Beauty fades eventually, but a kind soul remains forever. My mother taught me that. When I first joined this hospital, I was strictly solo. You were the first real buddy I ever had. But if you and he wish to be best buddies again, I won't stand in your way. <laughs> <coughs> well, I, I think that that's out. Uh... Hail Ming. I think he was very clear. <laughs> Quite concise. Yes. <laughs> My next reason for watching Captain Cronus Vampire Slayer is the sweet boar that hangs outside of Dr. Marcus's house. So they're, they're traveling the country in their wagon with their vagabond princess and their uh, hunchback and their vampire hunter. And they come along uh, Dr. Marcus's uh, house. Dr. Marcus has called them about these murders. And hanging outside the door is this big-ass boar. It's uh, just just hanging on a hook, and uh, it's formidable. Um, you look at it, and when you first see it, you're like, "Oh, they they hunted a boar, and they're going to cook it up later." But then the movie progresses, and halfway through it, that boar is still hanging on the wall. And by the end of the movie, that boar is still hanging on the wall. That boar is just there for ambiance. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what we're getting at exactly, uh, but. That boar, you know, check him out. <laughs> and also, I'd like to say, I usually give this caveat early on, but this is not a movie to watch in Fast Forward. If you don't watch the whole thing, you're lost. The scenes are all worth checking out. There's not a whole lot of filler. It's just a good movie, and uh, I recommend highly that you watch it not once but twice, and I think you'll enjoy it. My next reason for watching would have to be Captain Cronus's sweet-ass katana. Because he carries a Japanese sword in 1800s Europe long before the Highlander ever did. <laughs> yeah, the Highlander is a chump compared to Captain Kronos. I mean, it's just a fact. I believe I saw that in the dictionary or the Encyclopedia 1. So, when you look up badass in the dictionary, they have a picture of Captain Kronos. And then you look at your dictionary and think, why are there pictures in my dictionary? That's right. Well, there sometimes are. Anyway, my next reason for watching Captain Kronos is the well-met Marcus, where we, he meets Dr. Marcus, and uh, you know they give each other the Han Solo, Lando Calrissian stare down. And uh, you know he, he calls his buddy an old leech lover. We'll have that down later. And, uh, and they, they give each other the hearty clasp handshake. It's just, uh, it's just nice. <laughs> They wanted to build a little tension there as they first came out because Marcus had his razor, Cronus is armed to the teeth, and they're just staring at each other, and then it's, ah, you're my friend, hey. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. I will say my next reason for watching this movie will have to be the Wonder Twins. There's uh, 
a family in the movie called the Derwoods. The Derwood, the yeah. And uh, they are, you are led to believe that these might be the vampires in question. Uh, they're very aristocratic family, and the two main ones you see throughout the movie are brother and sister, who I say uh, their names are Paul and Sarah, uh, but I keep referring to them as uh, Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music and Sting from The Bride, which, by the way, we are going to have to review The Bride at some point. <laughs> Clancy Brown, I'm telling you. Clancy Brown playing Frankenstein's monster is worth the price of admission right there. I, I agree with you. The, uh, the Durwards are, are a reason to watch the movie, but my next reason to watch the movie is the cross shadow attack in the church. So one of these these uh, victims, aren't they all? She goes into a, uh, a church, you know, she's praying over her daughter's loss, I think. I mean, all these, all these maidens are getting snatched in the woods. And she goes to the church to try and uh, just, just kind of get her thoughts together and pray for salvation. And the, the shadow of the cross on the wall is predominant in the scene. And then suddenly the shadow of the cross starts to move the, the cross arms lower and she looks at whatever it is and, and screams the wine on the altar gets knocked over and then um, and she's toast. There's a blood splatter that's that's how these things go. There's a scream and a blood splatter and you know the vampires got them. And that is a very uh, hammer kind of way of doing things. Yeah. Um, Hammer Films had a very uh, distinctive look and feel about them, and one of the things they did in these movies was the very bright blood spatters, and in this case wine spills, and things of that nature, because color was a new thing at the time. It was something to really, uh, really portray on the screen, so they want to make it as bright and as vibrant as possible there. Uh, I'll have to say, as kind of a follow-up, to uh, that scene, uh, my next reason would have to be the victim in the woods attack, which I'll be a little more specific because there are a lot of victims in a lot of woods in this movie. That's true. There's a young couple in the woods and they're making out and they don't want their parents to catch them. Great scene where the young lady decides she wants to walk home and the man's like, well, I'm going to walk you home because all these young girls are being abducted. But my father will tear you limb from limb if you come to the house with me. Which is a good reason not to go to the house. <laughs> Gotta admit. So he says, okay, I'll just watch you in the woods. Uh, I'll stay in the woods. I'll watch you till you reach the end of the woods. And the end of the woods are not very far away. She walks, uh, walks away from him, goes down a ditch till just till her head disappears out of sight and comes back up again. Then goes down one more hill, her head just disappears out of sight, she comes back up again and falls dead on the ground. In just that quick of a time, the vampire found her, drained her of her life, and that was it, and got away. It was a very creepy, creepy scene. And you know, here's another thing that, that's good about this. You know, since he's draining their youth, you know, and the telltale sign is that there's a little blood trickling from the corner of their mouth. Uh, also, he drains them of their youth, and when they get up to him, and they have the same clothes and the same hair, but they're portrayed by old women who are made to look even older. It's a it's disconcerting, and it's actually a really easy way to do the effect effectively. They have 
scenes in it where there's a woman with a bracelet on and uh, that bracelet was just given to her and it's got a very tight lock and can't possibly be forcibly removed and later they find the old woman wearing that bracelet in the young woman's clothes so you know that is the woman in question even though she's now elderly and has died of old age it's it's a very uh, effective way of telling this story. So my next reason for watching this is Captain Kronos's methods because he is not lazy, but he conserves his strength for the fight. And Grost mentions this. You know, Carla, when she's traveling with him, she's like, oh, we're starting the fire and we're getting all this stuff ready and he's just over there doing nothing. And Grost says, oh, when the time comes, you'll want him to have the energy it takes to do what he has to do. And it's true because, you know, at the end of this, when the stuff hits the fan... Chronos uh, takes them all out. He is the uh, he's the force that they need at the time, and he fights everybody. There was a fun little scene where uh, Carla first joins the group, and uh, she's complaining. Like Danny said, he's complaining that he's not doing anything, and Gross is saying, "Well, uh, his work will start tomorrow," and they uh, start to go to bed for the night. And Chronos gets under his covers. Gross gets up in the wagon. She's like, where am I supposed to sleep? And he says, well, we've only got blankets for two. And Gross, you, I got to point out, you really should have said, you get to sleep up here with me. Come join me under the covers. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I mean, you know, I'll just say it. Caroline Monroe in this movie, she's just stunning. So my next reason is Hagen, the ninth Lord of Durward. Because he's got the most kick-ass gravestone ever. It says, greatest swordsman of his time. His sword now sleeps. And so, you know, I hope that, you know, if I ever have a gravestone, it says something similar. Only maybe, you know, just biggest badass of his time. Now his ass sleeps. I don't know. That doesn't sound as good. Yes, and it's not just a tombstone, but it's an entire statue of him on top of his grave. Yeah, looking like Barnabas Collins. Yeah, that... I mean, if you gotta go, go with style. <laughs> My next reason would be the dark cloak. You never really see the vampire in the movie. Uh, there's a hooded figure that is, appears before the women, and uh, first they're scared, and then they get mesmerized, and the cloak leans in, and then there's a scream, and it leans away, and they have the blood on their lips. Later, uh, when you see uh, Sarah Durwood uh, returning home, you notice she's wearing a black cloak. So it's good foreshadowing. Right, right. It's a it's a mystery. You know, overall, this movie is a mystery. So spoiler alert, we're going to say the solution to the mystery at the end of this podcast. But, you know, it's, it's kind of an obvious mystery. I mean, there are a lot of uh, hints to lead you in a certain direction, but they seem all awfully too obvious. Um, so the next reason I've got is toads in a box. Toads in a box. Senor you know, Gross, being the professor that he is, has this uh, this old folk tale, this old folk rhyme that he uses that says, if a vampire should strode close to the grave of a dead toad, then the vampire life shall give, and suddenly the toad shall live. So he's burying these wooden boxes with dead toads in them everywhere, 
and marking where he's doing it, and he and Carla are doing it to, you know, some enjoyment. Actually, she's having a really good time pushing some dirt over a box. I was about to say, she's just going along with this and having a lot of fun burying dead toads. She's whatever. We're I'm not in the stocks anymore. <laughs> she she is yeah, and she was in the stocks for dancing on a Sunday, by the way. And uh, you know, Captain Kronos is like, you know what? This is a crime to put her in stocks. Never mind. Um, <laughs> moving on from that, I'm going to say that, that this whole dead toad thing is cool because then, you know, they have this trapping later where as the vampire has escaped the woods, they find the trail that it most likely went on and they check these boxes and one of the toads is alive. So it's just a neat little aside that you're only going to get from a screenwriter that has done some homework. There's a great moment using that as well where a, a wagon is going through the, the woods uh, on his trail and they suspect that the vampire might be in there. So Gross just pops out of a bush and throws a box under the carriage. And then once it rides by, he pulls it out and uh, opens it up and uh, there's a little toad pops right out of it there. Yeah, so I think it might have just been a uh, it might have just been a plan to resurrect the toad population in the area. I think that was going to be the sequel of the movie, of the movie uh, Captain Kronos versus Toad Monsters. Toad Savior. <laughs> Hail Ming. All right, well, let's take a break here, and we'll be right back. Well, hello there. Jack here from 24-7 Lumberjacks. You know that we're here to lumberjack for you any lumber time, any lumber place. So just remember, 24-7 Lumberjacks. The only time this lumberjack's off is when you're hot. It is a common misconception that breakfast is just bacon and eggs, but that is not true. There are as many breakfasts as there are beasts of prey as well as the means of their consumption. Now you can fight hunger with Cap'n Cronus Cereal, a delicious way to keep up your strength, for tomorrow your work will begin. The milk turns as red as blood when poured over these sharp pieces of bran, and look at these fabulous marshmallow shapes. Red K's, black cloaks, green toads, brown bats, and alabaster bosoms. Inside every box of Captain Crona cereals is a prize. I got a red ribbon. Oh, got a bell. And I have God's blade forged to destroy you. So whether you be a rat-faced fatty or big mouth, you too can enjoy a hearty breakfast with Captain Crona cereal. Gallivanting across the countryside. You want to look your best when you're looking for the foulest beast. How do you know you look your best? You know the way when you see the cave. There's only one type of outfitting for the discerning vampire hunter. Chronos Brand. Accept no substitute. scared it's just my count chocula cereal a delicious way to
Oh, good lord! What are you doing, you maniac? I have bared his breast and drove this stake deep through his heart to destroy the plague of vampirism. And try peanut butter Captain Crunch cereal as well, a delicious part of a nutritious breakfast. Back into it. You know what the next reason I've got to watch Captain Chrono's Vampire Slayer is? Bad Attack. Oh, yeah. We got a pretty young girl wandering through the woods, collecting eggs, apparently. <laughs> yeah, she got some eggs from somewhere. She's heading back through the dangerous woods that have claimed many young female victims. You know, nothing wrong here. And there are, like, hunchbacks hiding in trees and ribbons with uh, bells because they're using ribbons with bells to uh, kind of trap the woods which is a great little scene because uh, the ribbons are connected to the brush so if anyone goes by it'll ring the bell and so somebody walks by and the bell starts ringing and Captain Kronos jumps up and stares at the bell and it keeps ringing and he's just looking at the bell that keeps ringing then Carla quietly walks up behind him and he says shh if you really want it quiet, just reach out and stop that bell from ringing. <laughs> yeah, well, Captain Kronos, he knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I'm thinking that maybe these girls need to be given some self-defense courses, you know, what to look for, people hiding in trees, bells ringing, because this girl is aloof. Yeah, she's really concentrating on those eggs and pulling up her stockings and what have you. So she just walks around the corner and la da 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 suddenly bat in the face. <laughs> yeah, th and this is one of those things I'm sure you've seen before uh, from Hammer Film. Yeah, so from Hammer Films, where, where somebody has been attacked, uh, you know, and it's just the bat on their face and they're maybe holding it there with their hands and they're writhing around. It's kind of hokey looking, but you're just going to have to deal with it. Next up, is one of my all-time favorite reasons to watch this movie. The best bar fight ever filmed. It's true. It's true. Uh, these these thugs who have made one appearance earlier uh, and kind of browbeat some poor Viking, um, they uh, they show up and they've been hired by the chauffeur of the Durwoods to, you know, to accost uh, our hero and his friend. And uh, we've got the clip right here. First, they try to fake the fight with uh, Captain Kronos. It goes something like this. Red wine. The best you have. Yes, sir. Tell me, have you seen anything of a coach or wagon passing by recently? Nothing passes by here. Only uh, soldiers, uh, deserters, running away from the war. And in the air with big talk of the battles they won, but with a look of lost battles about them. What about you, Captain? Tis, Captain. Perhaps he stole the coat. Tell me, did you lose your battles or win them? Little of both. Not enough of either. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to draw Captain Kronos into a fight over something silly as that. He's just going to continue to talk to the bartender, see the blind girl in the corner drinking her wine for some reason. So they decide to take another route and try to get Kronos to fight them. So they start picking on Gross, and that sounds something like this. You haven't answered my question. Coach or wagon? 
Hey, you. Cook back. Tell me, uh, how do you sleep at night? On your belly or, or in a hammock? Or do you dig a hole in the ground and put your hump in it? You see, we're interested. Cook back. His name is Grost. Crockback will do for me. But not me. Why? Because I don't like it. Oh. He doesn't like it. To make sport of a physical affliction is both impolite and cruel. After all, I wouldn't dream of calling you rat face. Fatty. Oh, big mouth. haven't answered my question. Wagons or coaches, sir? No, we haven't seen nothing like that. We haven't seen nothing at all. Pity. <laughs> so, in case you can't tell what happened there, you know, they, they, they loaded up on uh, poor old Grost over there, and uh, Captain Kronos wouldn't have any of it. So, you know, with two slashes of his samurai sword, he, uh, he puts them all three down. One slash, and you're taking out fatty rat face and big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and these guys weren't nobos. I mean, they were here for this purpose. But I mean, uh, um, Caro, who's the uh, the big mouth, uh, he's he's been proven to be quite the swordsman in an earlier uh, you know little duel with somebody. But they also they they had their way with the uh, town prostitute, and they instead of paying them what they said they were going to, you know, they threw her her uh, money in the uh, spittoon and spit on her. They're just they're just ready to get taken out. <clears throat> this also goes back to my half vampire theory because Kronos just moves so fast, pulls that sword out, slices them all in the neck, puts the sword up before the bodies even hit the floor. So um, my next reason goes to uh, you know, Dr. Marcus doing a little investigative work on his own. He uh, he goes over to the Durwards and he uh, you know is trying to figure out what's going on. He's, he's heard about these things and uh, while he's there he sees, uh, he's getting a, a glass of sherry with Paul, and uh, he sees this book that's titled Witchcraft and Necromancy. And then, you know, after the toast, he, uh, he brings it up. Your health, Doctor. Thank you. Witchcraft and Necromancy. The book. Oh, it was my father's. At long last, I'm setting his library to rights. Witchcraft and necromancy. That's the rumor in the village. Yes. A grim business. What's your opinion of it? I think he had that on the shelf right next to his book that said, We are vampires. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're leading pretty heavily to uh, Paul and Sarah, the uh, Durward's children, being kind of the sinister duo out here, you know, robbing the uh, maidens of their youth. You know, in the case of Sarah... Everybody talks about uh, how uh, how stunning she is. 
to the point where Captain Kronos even says she's a pretty bedful. So the Durwoods, they are the rich, aristocratic, entitled characters. As he said earlier, they do lead very heavily to, to say that these might be the vampires in question. Especially when uh, Sarah is talking to her brother Paul and basically flat out says, I, I never want to grow old. And uh, Paul says, Oh, well, don't worry, sister. That will never happen to us because we're Durwoods. <laughs> yeah, they, they make a point at this time to mention that their mother, who is aging and making Sarah uncomfortable, is aging because she's not a pure-blooded Durward. She was a Durward by marriage, which uh, later kind of comes out to have, you know, a, a secondary uh, life in the plot. But, you know, moving on, I think the next thing we have is leeching at the doctor's office. It's not a vampire movie without bloodletting. <laughs> That's it. You know, and, and um, you know, Marcus is an old leech lover. He said it when he first met him. It, it's just uh, it's just good old-fashioned doctoring, people. He's just sitting around smoking his Chinese herb, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, yeah, Captain, Chinese herb. <laughs> I'm sure that's where it came from. I'm sure it's not Colombian herb you got there. <laughs> but he's just relaxing, and Carla, being the good girlfriend she is, is sticking these little blood-sucking parasites onto his back to make him feel better. These are the good old days, folks. <laughs> so we do have a clip of the uh, Durwards talking about ever-present youth, and it goes a little something like this. Just, uh, you know, imagine how how damning this is, you know, when you're watching the two of them skulking about, talking about these things. Sarah, perhaps if you were to go to... I can't. I'm sorry, Paul, but I can't bear to look at her anymore. To look at that face that was once so beautiful. Age frightens me. I'm vain, I know, but to look at Mother is to look into a mirror of what one day I must become. No. We are Derwids, remember. Thoroughbreds. The Derwoods have always been renowned for their usefulness. Mother is a Derwood. By marriage, not by birth. What has happened to Mother will not happen to us, dear sister. I promise you. It will not happen to us. So from this point on, I think it's time that we move into the epic movie moment. epic movie moment is more of an epic movie segment. It spans quite a few scenes, actually. Yeah, this is the point at the movie where uh, I think I described it as, you're going downhill so fast you can't stop putting your feet forward. Uh, it starts off with uh, Dr. Marcus determining that he has been bitten, and he is the attacker of the last woman who was attacked in the woods, and he comes to Gross and uh, Captain Kronos in order to end it because he knows he will become a fiendish villain. Then it moves into how they've determined is the best way to kill this type of vampire because of this unfortunate event. And then it moves into the wielding and creation of such a weapon. 
So it goes a little something like this. In the epic movement, you will see vampirism revealed. Then punch your friend in the face. Then you tie your friend to a chair. Then you stake him. Then you hang him. Then you burn him. Then you find out that a steel cross did the damage. Then you have to deal with angry villagers. You kill all the angry villagers. Vandalize a graveyard by stealing a giant steel cross. Carla is super happy about the angry villagers getting dispatched. Right away happy. Then you do your uh, bag face meditation technique for the battle to come. Then Gross creates a sword of God to dispatch the vampires. And that's the things that you will see in the epic movie moment. After the epic movie moment, there is another scene where the beast attacks a guy with a crutch and his sister, who have already lost their other sister. And in this battle, you know, they, they say, I wonder where father is. And there's a clip. I keep thinking of Vanda and Isabella. Well, don't. It's best that we don't. I wish father were home. I have to say, this is probably one of the best jump scares in a movie, because there's really no warning for it. They're just like, oh, I wonder where father is. Oh! <laughs> and he's getting run over by the uh, the wagon um, with the, uh, the enemy in it. I guess on their way to this uh, aforementioned attack. But yeah, it really is worth mentioning, because it's it's really kind of funny. As they're wandering through the woods, uh, Gross just like, oh, there's a wagon trail. And there's a severed arm on the ground. <laughs> Next up, we had preparing for battle. Uh, Captain Kronos has figured out, or thinks he figured out, who the vampire is and is going to take him out. He even says, Tonight we prepare to kill a vampire. <laughs> they do just that. In the preparations, he's wearing garlic on his sleeves. They paint little crosses on the back of his neck just in case the vampire sneaks up on him and they take a little tiny mirror piece that they made specifically for this sword, slide it on top of the sword, so if the vampire tries to mesmerize him, he can reflect the vision right back on him. They are prepared. Yeah. <laughs> they, take the, uh, they take the sword, they make sure that it's got some anti-Medusa reflecting action, and then they head on into the Durward Manor uh, with Carla as the bait. Carla the bait. Because, you know, if you want to draw out a vampire, there's no better way than having a pretty damsel in distress. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying right now that I think that Captain Kronos might be the smartest man in the movie based solely on the fact that he's the only one that seemed to notice that Caroline Monroe was there and was attractive. That pretty much just speaks to the uh, idiocy of all the other men in the movie. Yeah, Gross, you might be book smart, but you were willing to keep on going by when you saw Carolyn Monroe tied up in the stocks. So you lost some lost some smart points there. Sorry, buddy. And, you know, in true uh, equal fashion, you know, nobody took advantage of Caroline Monroe there. Nobody took advantage of old Carla. They just freed her, and she said, hey, I like you guys. You treat me right. Can I come with you? And they said, sure. Hop on board. 
Actually, I have that clip right here. And, uh, you know, it's from the beginning of the movie. It's good stuff. We're heading east. That'll do. Get on the wagon. Short, but poignant. They head their way into the Durward house, where Carla has been uh, ringing the bell, and she's convinced them that she's on the run from her father, who would have her wed another than the one she loves. They were going to make her up a room, and she says, no, I'll sleep by the fire. You know, so they, they get ready to go, and then somebody sneaks up on her. At this point, the way both Paul and Sarah were looking at her, you're not really sure which one wanted her more. So it's anybody's guess as to who's sneaking up on her right now. Then, surprise. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that uh, the scream that you hear revealing the monster is from Sarah Durward. And it is her mother who has been mentioned and shown as a withering old crone who, uh, who has a frighteningly... Uh, aged face, despite the fact that she's not supposed to be that old yet. Um, and she uh, turns out to be the vampire stealing youth from the youthful and being a general evil force. And she decides to use these powers not only to make herself young and beautiful, but to bring her husband back to life. The greatest swordsman in all the land. He comes out, it's a big reveal. He steps out of the closet there that they've been living in. You know, they never noticed him there. Yeah. Uh, he's got kind of a leprosy face, but other than that, he looks okay. And uh, not at, bad for a dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, meantime, you got Captain Cronos coming up with his grappling hook. He shows up, and they decide it's time to throw down. At this point, the Lady Durwood has mesmerized Carla because the uh, Paul and Sarah were freaking out. She mesmerized them. Cronos comes in and she tries to mesmerize Kronos and Kronos holds up that little mirror on his sword in front of his eyes and she mesmerizes herself. So the only people who are not in a hypnotic state at this point are Kronos and Hagen. Lord Hagen and Captain Kronos, the only ones who are not hypnotized and they're ready to go at it. Yeah, so they fight an epic duel, you know, over the... Uh... The old table kicking the, the candelabra off the edge and and punching each other with their off hands and slashing and all kinds of other stuff. And he finds out that because he's got the steel cross slash sword, he can actually hurt Hagen because regular weapons cannot harm him. When you're watching an older movie that has a sword fight in it, your mind tends to go to Errol Flynn where the sword fights are very pretty and choreographed. This one these two guys look like they want to kill each other. They'll cross swords and then kick each other in the chest and knock each other over the table and just really go at it. So it was a brutal fight. And also it was brought up earlier when they were uh, figuring out how to kill these particular vampires that the vampires would only bleed at the moment of their death. So when they're fighting each other, Kronos swipes the steel cross sword across his opponent's hand and it starts bleeding and he looks at it surprised and Kronos is just like mm-hmm I can kill you now because he's using God's sword <laughs> so you know the fight ranges far and wide they uh, he loses his weapon he gets it back uh, he finally ends up skewering the bad guy then he goes ahead and skewers his wife too and the trance is broken and uh, you know everybody's freaking out but it's the end everything's okay that was a very off-putting moment too when he stabs Lady Durwood and just immediately once she gets stabbed 
it breaks the hypnotic spell and uh, Sarah just starts screaming. And then Kronos just drops the sword and like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, he drops the sword of God. I guess, you know, it, it only worked for now. I don't know. It, it's not one of his weapons. He, he, he can't carry three. He's already got a saber and a katana. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, you know, with that being said, the, the movie wraps up. And you would enjoy watching it. It's free for uh, it's for free on YouTube, as a matter of fact. And I think we have top five lines. Top five lines. Top five lines. Top five lines. Yay! <laughs> my my first top five line comes from Grost, where he's uh, telling Carla for the first time what it is they do for a living. It sounds like this. What is it? What's happening? Time for us to start work. Do you want to come along? What work? Oh, didn't I mention it? We're vampire hunters. Professional vampire hunters. Yeah, like she's got a choice at this point. Of course she has to come along. So my next line is when, uh, I mentioned it before, it's when Dr. Marcus meets his old friend, Captain Kronos, and uh, calls him something that may or may not be an insult, but in this day and age, it just means you're a good doctor. Marcus, your leech lover. Well, who doesn't go love a good leech every now and again? Besides everybody. My next line comes from when they are determining how to kill the vampires. They found out that Marcus is turned into a vampire. Kronos still is holding out hope that maybe they can save his friend. And it goes something like this. You see? He's been bitten on the mouth. God's sake, I survived the vampire's bite. He is not the man you are. He's not the man you are. My next line comes from uh, just a little bit of backstory about good old Captain Kronos, and it goes something like, Adios. I once went off to fight a war and left my mother and my little sister behind me, the two people I love most. When I returned, my sweet little sister welcomed me with a kiss. Yes, both of them. Mother and sister fall into the scourge of vampirism. Had to destroy them. Had to bear their breasts. Take a sharpened stake and drive it through their hearts. And you did hear that right. That was Captain Kronos saying that he would find his little sister and his mother and bear their breasts to drive a stake through their heart. I'm pretty sure they only added that line because at the same time he bared Caroline Monroe's breasts, and I think they wanted to just film that. And I think it's important to mention that all that this is rated R, that is for horror content and not nudity. All the nudity is done very tastefully, um, you know, slats in the wood creating light that um, obscures the, the naked regions, and the sex, although there is a, a lot of naked flesh, it's not lascivious. It's just kind of there to illustrate what's going on physically. I think movies of today could actually take a cue from this kind of filmmaking here. So my last line and top five lines here uh, just kind of shows the beautiful nature of the relationship between Kronos and Carla, and it sounds something like this. I suppose you'll be moving on now. No, I'm staying. If you'll have me. Oh. I'll have you. And speaking of showing class, 
<laughs> but yeah, that, that's, a, that's also a good one. And I want to throw in there that when the deed is finally done between Kronos and Carla, there's a there's also a cute little aside where uh, Grost is playing chess with Dr. Marcus. And uh, they they go to town and in the other room, Grost is like, queen to king and mate in what? What do you think about that, kids? Classic. Well, I guess that does it for top five lines. Top five lines. Top five lines. Top five lines. Yay! So I think it's time we give this thing a rating. Um, what do you think, Danny? I'm going to give this a rating of one night with a bag over my head. Meditating with my hands aside my face like giant ears. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I will give this three bullies in a bar named Ratface, Fatty, and Big Mouth. <laughs> and as always, we have to find out what Brian Blessed has to say. So, what does Brian Blessed say? Oh, well... Who wants to live forever? <laughs> yeah, vampires, that's who wants to live forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's appropriate when you start talking about Highlanders and who wants to live forever and vampires and all that other mess. So at this time, I think we're just going to take a little break and then we'll be back in just a moment. So that's the idea, Chief. We take the same movie you loved as a kid, and we add a whole bunch of special effects and make it even better. What do you think? No. Mark, what do you think about Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter? What do you think about remaking this jewel of a movie? I think if this movie was to be remade, it would lose some of its charm there. Hammer films... Thank you, MC. Uh, Hammer films tend to have this certain style and feel about them, and kind of a cheesiness to them as well that makes it attractable. Uh, it's kind of like when they remade uh, Evil Dead. I'm not saying it was a bad movie, but it wasn't Evil Dead. If you remade Captain Kronos, um, maybe it'd be a good movie, but it wouldn't be Captain Kronos. Now, with that being said, I would like to see them go back and continue the series. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think that um, Captain Kronos should not be remade. And if they wanted to add, you know, a continuation of the saga of Captain Kronos, that might be fun. But I don't think they could recapture it. I think if they made a new Kronos Part 2 the Legion of Toads, or something of that nature, it would not... It, it would be more polished crap. Yeah. They'd get some guy with a you know short haircut and cut abs to play Captain Kronos, and his acting would be in his eyebrows, and it just wouldn't work. They'd get Megan Fox to play Carla, and I'd just be like, no, you don't follow up Caroline Monroe, no. <laughs> Ultimately, it's a lot like the Manor on the Hill movies. It has its own feel. And for that reason, trying to do it again, you're going to lose out. Not because there wouldn't be fine actors or good writers or anything of that nature. It's because it was a lightning in a bottle kind of moment. And you just can't replicate that. 
So it looks like our vote for remake or no goes to... No! Oh, God. Uh, how's that again? No! <laughs> All right, well, so we'll be right back with some final thoughts, and yeah. And we're back. So welcome back and welcome out, because we are done, we hope that you go out and check out Captain Kronos because it is a fantastic movie that um, cannot be replicated. And if you watch it once, you watch it twice. It's free on YouTube if you've got internet connection. If you don't, I'm wondering, how did you find our podcast? That's a good question, man. And you can also go out and find the DVD out there. You'll recognize it right away because it does not have Captain Kronos on the cover. <laughs> yeah, or his sidekicks, or... Caroline Monroe. It does have Dr. Marcus, though, so if you're a big Dr. Marcus fan, you can spot him right away. <laughs> yeah, that's really the widescreen, but uh, yeah, I pointed out it's got a really strange cover that has really nothing to do with the movie except for Dr. Marcus hanging out there, which I guess you might say was Captain Kronos, except that it isn't. Um, so I, while we're talking about finding things, you can find us on Legion Podcasts along with several other podcasts that have lots of fun things to say about movies you love and content that's around the nation. So check them out. And speaking of saying things, you can drop us a line on Facebook. Let us know what you think. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do you want to see? Let us know. So, um, you know, thanks again to our loyal listeners. Um, thanks again to Trend T. Sutherland for bringing us the uh, Lumberjack sponsor. We will make sure to use that money um, <clears throat> appropriately. If anyone else has any sponsors out there or anything else they want to see on the show, just drop us a line. We'll be glad to do it. And here's another thing. If you have a fully written skit or a commercial that you want to see done, hey, you know, save us the work. We can put it together and play it here, and then it'll be your content brought to life by the Hail Ming Play actors. Anyway, glad you could join us. We hope that you had a good time, and we hope that you check out this gem of cinema. Until next time, I'm Danny. And I'm Mark. And we'll hear you again on Hail Ming Power Hour. It may seem like a dream come true to be young forever, to be youthful, to be energetic, to be beautiful. Till the end of your days, it doesn't work that way. It often comes with a curse. Just remember this. Magic can make a nutshell seem a barge, a shielding seem a palace large, a youth an age, an age a youth. But it's all delusion, not was truth. And remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases. Goodbye, everyone. Members of the audience will receive the following. Classic Curves by Biddos, the pants for feel-good company. A gift certificate for Marachan Ramen Noodles. Rice-a-roni. 
all guests receive a copy of the Hail Ming Home Game. Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Jeremy Finch, Jacob Canaday. Special thanks to Ricky Morgan and Trinity Sutherland. Hail Ming is a proud member of Legion Podcast. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hail Ming is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Legion Podcast. We thank you for listening to Hail Ming and say good night and good luck. the good love when we're all alone keep it up girl yeah you turn me on ah.